This is Jim Laws along with Nat Ayers, and I'm very happy to be with you today on the Gospel is for All Internet Radio broadcast brought to you by the Broadway Church of Christ in Tyler, Texas. Why not get your Bible and follow along with us today as we study from its pages? We're going to be looking at a great Bible passage from the life of the Lord found in Mark chapter 12, beginning at about verse 28. And I invite you to turn to that selection of Scripture. While you're doing that, I'd like to take a moment and invite you to our spring gospel meeting at Broadway. It'll be April the 24th through the 27th. Rick Brumbach is our invited speaker. And we're looking at the theme, New Testament Christianity in a Modern Age. I think you can tell by the theme that this is a very important series of studies, how we are to apply, properly apply, the Word of God, the New Testament, to our lives in this modern time. We're living in a very changing time, and there's a lot about our world that people feel uneasy about, and there are a lot of morals and values that have changed over time. What does the Bible have to say about these, and how shall we meet as Christians these challenges that we face? So I encourage you to be with us. begins on Sunday, April the 24th, continues through Wednesday night, April the 27th, for our spring gospel meeting, the Broadway Church of Christ in Tyler, Texas. And whenever you're in Tyler, we hope that you will come and visit with us as we continue to work every day for God's glory and for the help and benefit of others. Let's turn now to Mark chapter 12. Ned, I'm going to ask you to read Mark 12, and I'm beginning in about verse 28 or 29, wherever you think is a good place to begin and to continue through Uh, uh, that paragraph of Scripture. And I'm sure we're ready now to uh, learn some of the great duties that God has placed before us. Thank you, Jim. It is good to be with you. Uh, As always, it's good to have you, uh, those of you that are listening, uh, tuning in. We, uh, We welcome you, and we're glad to have you as our guest. And we ask that you open your Bibles and your your minds as we Uh, study together God's precious and holy word. Let's look at this passage and look at what man's duty is uh, to himself uh, as God uh, sees it. In Mark chapter 12, let's let's start with verse 28 and we'll read down through this this paragraph, uh, beginning in Mark 12, 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, with all of your mind and with all of your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and that there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. Now when we see this passage... First of all, we see a scribe approaching Jesus as uh, he is discuss, uh, discussing scriptures uh, with the Sadducees, as we see up uh, up above, uh, a group of Sadducees, and he hears that Jesus is 
answering questions, and, and he sees that he's answering them well. So he wants to ask a question himself and ask the question, which commandment is the most important of all? Now, the commandments were written in the old law for man to be able to follow, to be able to stay in a covenant relationship with God. And so he's asking the question, which one's the most important? And Jesus answers and gives an answer uh, basically from uh, a passage found in Deuteronomy 4, uh, 35. But he gives the answer, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, is uh, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. What Jesus is saying here, you shall love God supremely with with everything you have, everything about you, who you are, what uh uh, all your strength, all your mind, everything you are should love God. And the second is the duty that you have to mankind, those around you, that that you should love your neighbor as yourself. You know, and, and when you think about God's great love that he has for us, he wants us to be like him. He wants us to have the attributes uh, that he has. And one of those attributes is love. God is love. And we see that he wants us to have a love for uh, mankind, for our neighbor, to love them as ourselves. And and as Jim has pointed out uh, in our past studies, uh, this love also, the third part, to love yourself. Um, And so if you know how to love yourself, which most people do, most people probably love themselves a little too much, Jim, Mm. but uh, place themselves higher than everyone else. But uh, he's saying here, uh, if you're important to yourself, you love yourself, and uh, and that you should love yourself uh, in a good way, with in the right way. But uh, if you love yourself, you should also love those around you, your neighbors, as yourself, and have a love. And I think he's talking about maybe here even a love for lost humanity, a love for for humankind, the world around us. We should have a love that uh, promotes us to care about. And I think as a Christian duty to to look out for or to carry the gospel even to those who are lost. That is so true, Ned. And I, I think just to summarize what you had made there, you're saying there are three important duties that we have right. from this passage. One to God, one to neighbor, and one to self. And as you pointed out, we're to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind and strength. And if you do that, that's a lot right there. Yep. That's the whole being of the individual. We're to love our neighbor, and we are to have a, a certain regard, self-regard to ourselves. And I think you're probably right on that. We probably think too much about ourselves than we do God and others. Yep. Let's uh, look at this in a real practical way, and and let's look at a passage of Scripture. I'm thinking of Luke chapter 9, and then I'm going to have you read that for us in just a minute as we look in a practical fashion as to how we are to fulfill this duty uh, to God and to others and, and to ourselves. Since we have a threefold duty here, man has a duty to himself, he has a duty to, to others, and he has a duty to God. In a very practical way, how shall we fulfill this particular matter? And I thought of this, uh, this specific passage, Luke chapter 9, I'm thinking verse 23, yep. And uh, 24, and I'm sure you're familiar with the passage once, uh, once we turn to it. Let's take a moment and examine this. And, Nat, I'm going to ask you to read it for us. And 
You can read on down through there if you like, verse 27. Uh, With everybody turning in their Bibles, let's look at Luke 9, beginning at verse 23. Okay. You know, this is a very beautiful passage, Jim, and um, it's one that we really need to think about uh, deeply, that we need to to really uh, contemplate what it truly means, this passage. It's not something we can just read and gloss over. It's a, This is one of those passages that is meant to change who you are and the, the life you live. Um, Luke nine twenty three, and he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or, or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Um, and so he, there he's talking about, of course, uh, the followers there as the kingdom's ushered in in the day of Pentecost would actually see this and that they'd look look forward to being able to see the kingdom coming in. But we're we're looking at the first uh, part of this passage. You know, Jim, this seems like a very um, difficult thing that the Lord is asking of us here. It doesn't seem like an easy task. You know, if we, he said that word if, if anyone would come after me, that if tells us we have a choice. You know, you don't necessarily have to follow me, but if you're going to follow me, it's going to be costly. It's it's going to require sacrifice. And what is that sacrifice? It's going to require a cross. It's going to require a death to self. And so whoever would follow me is going to have to take up uh, where I left off. It's going to have to take up that cross which signifies death to self. And uh, if you would rather save yourself, well, save your life, well, then you're going to lose out on eternal life. But if you're willing to sacrifice that life, and we're not necessarily required uh, to be stretched out on a cross, but what he's saying here is that if we are going to follow him, we're going to have to give up the life of this world. We're going to have to give up uh, this worldly life with its desires and its wishes, and we're going to have to focus in on what's truly important, and that's our Lord and Savior, and follow him uh, in the way he he has gone uh, and and choose his, his way over our way. We're going to have to put to death the ways of the world to be able to follow him, and that takes sacrifice, and it takes dedication to be a Christian. It's not easy. If we're going to follow him, the duty is ours to give up the life of this world. And that's our point now, and I think you really hit the point there, and that man's duty to himself, and part of that is to serve others. Yes. And the one emphasized, the other emphasized in this passage right here is our Lord and Savior, Jesus yes. Christ. If anyone would come after me, yeah. that is, the me refers to Jesus. Let him deny himself. That's our duty, yeah. and take up his cross daily. And follow me. And it's as you said, uh, it's not an easy task to do that. It's a difficult task, but it's the focus of our life. That's our duty to ourselves. We have a duty here to God. We have a duty to others. And we're kind of emphasizing that point. Uh, This passage emphasizes the duty we have to others. And the first other 
that comes to mind is our duty to Christ and that we follow him. Now, you made a good point there. Uh, For whoever would save his life, in verse 24, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Uh, Perish the thought, but what should we do if called upon to say, you either reject and renounce Christ or you lose your life. We will take your life from you. What is the disciple called upon to do here in sure. verse 24? Well, he's called to to, uh, to stand up for Christ. He's called to stand up for Christ. And, and Jim, the, you know, and we're speaking hypothetically here. Yes. But, Jim, we're living in a world... And and I, I don't we don't want to scare listeners or, or, or talk in a in a scary way. No. But we're living in a world where there are people that are calling on the name of Christ that are dealing with this uh you know, this ISIS thing and this radical yeah. Islam yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, this is reality to some. Yeah. You know, are you would you be willing to stand up to the point of death, uh and and uh, to stand up for Christ even if it means Losing your earthly life. It's a duty. Yeah, there it's are things, but but Jim, there. From what I gather here, there are things uh, worse than losing uh, this physical life. Absolutely. Losing out on eternal life would be far worse. Far far worse. In fact, he's saying that here in yes. twenty four. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Yeah. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Yeah. One will gain eternal life. You know, they may take your physical life away from you, but they cannot take eternal life away from you if you remain faithful. And uh, as you pointed out, Nat, that's happening in parts of the world. It is. scary. Persecution is a real thing for some people. And we're fortunate. We all thank God for this blessing. Absolutely. We live in a country where we feel safe. You know, I don't feel uh, fear of another person or any group of people when I step out of the house during the morning or when I go home at night. I I feel safe. And there's reasons for that. And we ought to be grateful and thankful for all the provisions that that God has given that cause us to be safe like that. And our families are safe. We live in an area and a community. Now, tragedy can always strike us. But by and large, we feel safe in our communities and safe in our homes and safe where we live. And we ought to thank God for that and for his providential protection and care. You know, and I I absolutely agree with you, Jim. But another part of that is we don't need to... You know, I think if maybe if we lived in the first century, if we lived, you know, we read the book of Revelation, you see the atrocities and things that are happening to Christians, and and you know, when your your robes are going to be dipped in blood, well, I mean, it, it was it was that's some vivid imagery of what was yeah. taking place yeah. in those Christians' lives. I wonder if that solidified their faith, if that uh, strengthened their faith, knowing that hey, this is a true possibility that uh, my life might be taken from me for the cause of Christ. You, know, you look at the apostles, all except for John, died a martyr's death. They yeah, knew that yeah. this was a true possibility, that they, that they were going to lose their lives for the cause of Christ. That had to embolden them. You know, If you were going to make that choice, that stance, to stand up and say, yes, I believe, you know there's a possibility, a true possibility that it's going to cost your life. Well, you better be resolved if you're going to save that then. Absolutely. And and we maybe we shelter ourselves some by living in this country that is so we are so blessed 
not to have to deal with that kind of persecution, yeah. that maybe would we be willing to stand up at that point? I would hope and pray that we would. I would hope yeah. and pray that we would yeah. be that strong. That's a soul-searching question. Yes. But now Christ requires it of us. It's yes. our duty. Yes. If and perish the thought that we'd have to face that kind of yes. dilemma, that decision. If we did, though, yeah. may we know the dictates of our own heart well enough to say, yeah. I believe I would stand up for Christ. Right. I would be, I love the Lord my God with all my heart, yep. all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. I love him supremely, yep. so much so. And I love others, namely Christ, yep. so much so that I'd be willing to suffer whatever persecution may come as a result of my being faithful to Christ. And I think part of that, Jim, would be uh, the proof of that, the proof of our our resolve of knowing that is how we live out our lives every day. Yeah. Are we willing to give up things for Christ? Are we willing to give up the earthly life for the life that we have in Christ daily? I think, too, that's right. I think, too, in verse 23, that yeah. word cross, his use of the word cross. There. Yes. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Yeah. In other words, what is what's your cross? Yeah, what is a cross there anyway? What you know, when the people who read this for the first time or heard Jesus say this for the first time, what did they think a cross meant? Now today a cross means piece of jewelry yeah. around someone's neck or maybe something in a church building somewhere mm-hmm. or maybe on a church uh steeple somewhere. Seen as almost something beautiful and, yeah. and artfully yeah. done. Yeah. It wasn't that, it I don't wasn't that way. No. It wasn't that way in the first century. Cross meant death. Yes. Cross meant death. Take up your cross. In other words, you've got to deny yourself and put Jesus in your place. Yes. That's going to be a hard thing to do. Uh, when the, but they, that's I our think duty. when Jesus mentioned the cross here, yeah. people at the time had seen the Roman spectacle of the cross in their daily lives. They'd seen people that had been uh, killed and tortured through this, this means. Hmm. It was a very... Uh, uh, picturesque way of saying something. It meant yeah, if you're yeah. going to follow me, are you willing to take up the cross? I mean, they yeah, it, their yeah. mind uh, didn't go to some art piece. It went to the yes, the, the cruelty of that cross. Exactly. Am I willing to exactly. do that? Yeah. And he says daily here. Yeah. Take up his cross daily, daily, and follow me. Take yourself out of the picture and put Christ in its place. Yeah. That's our duty. Yes. We've been studying man's duty to himself. We have a duty to God. We have a duty to others. Matt, we've got a few more minutes sure. in our Bible study today. I'd like to turn to another passage that emphasizes this point, and it's found for us in Matthew chapter 16. And I'd like to invite all of our listeners today to turn to Matthew chapter 16 as we continue studying the subject of man's duty to God, man's duty to others, and man's duty to himself. And I was thinking about Matthew chapter 16. You'll find this a very interesting story in the life of the Lord at about verse 21 uh, Jesus foretells of his death and his resurrection. And uh, this passage, what I, I see in verse 21, and I'll ask Nat here to read this for us. We're in Matthew 16, 21 through um, 23. Uh, this passage implies the sharp contrast between Satan's view of life and that of Christ's view of life. So as we read this passage, we're going to think about that a little bit and think more about our duty to others. Yes. Uh, this is a famous uh, passage here, or I don't know about the word famous, but a very well-known passage to, to many, uh, get behind me Satan passage. Um, Matthew sixteen twenty one. 
From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed on the third day, uh, be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to to rebuke him, uh, saying, Far be it from uh, you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on things of, of God, but on things of man. Jim, you know, when you see this passage, and it's almost, you almost feel a little sorry for Peter because that might have been what I would have wanted to say to, to Jesus. Yeah. You know, here he is talking about we're going to Jerusalem uh, here very soon, and I'm going to suffer a lot of things. And they knew what he talked He talked to him about being suffered, being killed, being raised the third day. And they don't want to see him suffer. They don't want to see him in pain. They don't want, sure don't want to see his death. And so Peter says, hey, this ain't going to happen. We're not going to let this happen. All right. And almost in a protective way, Peter's saying this in a protective way, we're going to stand up and this ain't going to happen. Yeah. And, but, but Jesus tells him, you're thinking, he, in fact, he says, you're thinking like Satan. Get right. behind me, Satan. Yeah. Uh, he said, "This isn't the way a person of God thinks. This isn't. This, you're not. Your mind's not being set on God. You're thinking right. like the uh, ways of a man. Yeah. Because up here it says, I must suffer. Uh, Jerusalem suffer. He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. That he must. What does that must mean? Well, this was an appointment made by God. Uh, you know, from the beginning of creation, right." And just because Peter was wanting uh, Jesus uh, it, it his way, wanting it to work his way, was not going to stop the plans of God, uh, what God had had in, in mind and in plan. And Jesus was going to submit to whatever God's plan was. Right. And so we see here that there's a way of man and there's a way of God. And they don't always uh, jihad. They don't always go together. No, no. And right. but the way of God is always going to prevail. It's always going to win out. Yeah. And uh, you, you know, you look at this, and yes, it's sharp words. Yes, it's it's hard a hard saying that uh, Jesus says to Peter. But it really, I think, drove the point home. Yeah. You're thinking like Satan. Yeah. Now I think that point right there, Nat. <laughs> You're thinking like Satan. Yeah. What was Satan's viewpoint of this? Now Jesus yeah. is talking about, as you outlined. He's talking about going to Jerusalem, yep. suffering things yep. from the Jewish authorities, uh, suffering and dying on the yes. cross. But what was Satan's attitude? Spare yourself. Don't That's let right. this happen. That's right. Spare yourself. Don't do this for other people. Yep. Uh, you spare yourself. There's a sharp contrast here between God's way and Satan's way, and you were bringing that out. Uh, Satan's way was this will never happen. That's right. Don't let this happen. And Peter, he was using Peter yep. here to try to say to Jesus, don't do this. Don't sacrifice yourself for others. Don't help others. Uh, but yet Jesus knows, and we're studying about, man has a duty to others. And one of the great duties that Jesus has come to earth to do is to die right. for others. So there's a sharp contrast seen in this passage about the way of the world. The way of Satan often says, spare yourself. Yep. Don't do this. Yep. Don't extend yourself for others. Don't help other people. But the Christian way, the biblical way is, yeah. I have a duty to others. That's right. Now, there's God's way then. Now, that's Satan's way. Spare yourself and don't have anything to do with others. 
But what was God's way? Die for others. That's right. Jesus was. Jesus had come to die for them. The elders, he's going to suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. What is his point? God's uh, desire was for him to die for the sins of the world. Yes. Now, we have a duty here ourselves, and I think what we can say from the past uh, verse and this verse that we're studying, we have a duty to die. Yep. By death, we mean separation, yep. to separate ourselves from the way of this world, to separate ourselves from ungodliness. We have a responsibility here uh, to do that. There's one of my favorite uh, songs, and I can't remember all the words to it, but it is one of the great hymns that um, I remember growing up. The way of the cross leads home. And uh, that is so true. Uh, We've got to die to self, separate ourselves from the way of this world, from the teaching of this world, embrace the teaching of God and the teaching of Christ, and that will lead us home. You know, I I think, Jim, uh, it's such an important part. It it even, it's, it's in the plan of our salvation that we die to self you know that we're joined in christ in romans 6 3 and 4 um and part of that salvation plan is that we die with christ we we're buried with him in baptism uh to die uh, a, a spiritual death so that we can have a new life in christ it was such an important part that that it's even a part of our salvation plan That's so and true. That, that god providentially um, um, uh, prepared for us. Why don't you read Acts two thirty eight along that yes. line there, Nat? And the few minutes that we have, Acts two thirty eight, and another great Bible passage, Acts twenty two sixteen. Yes. And as our friends that are studying with us today turn to those verses, Acts two thirty eight. Why don't you go ahead and read and explain a little bit about sure. that repentance there, that baptism, Absolutely. and how we have such a duty to respond to God in that fashion? Absolutely. Let's look. Let's start at verse thirty-six, uh, Acts two thirty-six. Peter speaking to a, a large group of uh, Jews uh, that had gathered. Uh, it's Pentecost, and uh, fifty days past the resurrection of Christ, and and he's speaking to them, and he says, "Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified." Now, when they'd heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God caused himself. Now listen to this part very carefully. And with many other words he bore witness, and continue to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and were added that day about 3,000 souls. We see the personal responsibility that we have in here in verse 40. Save yourselves. Now, God provides the plan. He provides the way. But it's your responsibility to help save yourself, to 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 uh, make that decision to become faithful and obedient and to be to become part of 
Christ through baptism by putting on Christ, Galatians three, twenty six and 27. We have a responsibility in our own salvation, Jim. Yes, we do. Well, it has been good to be with you. We look forward to uh, the next time uh, that we can be together and study God's Word.